0: Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders, with your host, Bill Statz. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club Podcast, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Statz, with our Summit Club team, Rick Feinblatt. Hi, Rick. Hey, Bill. John Navikas. Hi, John.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: And John Thane. How are you, JT? Terrific. Good morning, Bill. This is episode 10. Uh, It's entitled, From Managed to Managing, or The Challenges Facing First-Time Managers. Our special guest contributor today is HR professional in residence, Rhonda Beard. So Rhonda, welcome today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now?
2: Okay, great, thanks Bill. Well, I've spent about 25 years in human resources in different industries started in banking, I have worked in transportation industry, distribution, and most recently several years in manufacturing. And I saw a great need out there for training that I just wasn't able to do so much when I was in that HR role. So with Bench Builders, we provide management training, and I'm really excited now to be part of Bench Builders and be able to help other companies improve their training programs and develop training skills, training needs for their managers. So we have several different management programs, and we can also customize training to any company that has other needs outside of our standard programs. Well, let's talk a little bit about what companies are doing today to prepare new managers. So what are you seeing in companies with people moving into management positions?
3: Uh, sure. Let me, uh, let me start, Rhonda, and, uh, and welcome. Um, well, for starters, I would say they probably don't spend enough time training them. Uh, More often than not, I've seen people uh, move into managerial roles uh, and uh, the leaders of the company make the assumption, and I think it's a wrong one, that, well, they were really good at doing this, they'll be terrific managers. And uh, that does not always follow. So I I think uh, certainly better training would be a a benefit to
1: the uh, new new, uh, hire as
3: well as to the company.
1: Yeah, I agree. We see that quite a bit as well. One of the things that I've seen in my career is, as you go higher up in the food chain, they expect you to learn as you go. And to some extent, that that has some credibility where on your for your own skills and, and, and abilities, they grow as you go through your career. But unfortunately, sometimes your managerial skills really aren't part of that programming. And the managers above you figure, well, you got this far on your own, well, you can just one more thing to learn. I think um, I,
0: man- I mentioned to, I know I did to Rhonda and, and you guys here, sitting with, a, with a, a new first-time manager and have them kind of lean over and say to me, am I supposed to know how to do this? Because right. it doesn't take long for them to realize, uh-oh, I don't know what I'm doing here.
4: Well, it's interesting. Often, we look at these people that are great doers within an organization, and they have to go from doing a task that they obviously experience a lot of success with, to now having to administrate and teach others or work with others that are performing that task. There are several challenges with that. Most important, you're no longer specifically doing the task, but now you're reviewing performance and you're setting standards and you've got reports. So The job is completely different and to your point, often what expression do we hear so often in management? You know, initiation by fire, mm-hmm. sink or swim. Well that's not a management technique. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I
2: think that's absolutely true that a lot of companies fail to recognize this is a different job. It's not just a progression for many people, but it's a totally different job. They don't always prepare people well. And I'm you know, I'm wondering and questioning why do you think that companies are ignoring the training needs for such a critical role. What
4: does the size of a company have to do with this? And I'm gonna ask this question of you, Rhonda. I've worked with large companies, small companies, and I believe there's a there, there's a there's almost a trend based on the size of the company when it comes to training.
2: Well, I agree. I think in many cases, smaller companies just don't have the resources. They don't have the time, they don't have the resources. They're wearing many hats and they just don't take the time needed to put people through the training to be successful in that new role. So we definitely see it more in smaller companies, I believe. What do you think?
0: It's funny that um, not that long ago, maybe April, I was in a situation, I don't wanna say I was monitoring a manager's meeting, but that's basically what it was. And I'm sitting there and there's 14 people around a big table, and people get off track, and and at some point I had to interrupt and say, look, do you understand right now in this company, and this was a $100 million company, so you guys are all, and gals are all wearing multiple hats. Every minute you're in here, there are people that are struggling out there because you're not there. So we can't waste the time to talk down in the weeds on a lot of these issues in a small company, that's just the way it is, and we have to do a better job of framing all of our activities as managers, because you can't do everything that you want to do when you want to do it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think most companies uh, that I've been
3: associated with, um, they're, they're, they're just they're not set up to do that. They've never been set up to right. do that, and they, they work under the assumption, and I think it's a, a false one, that, well, when I started, uh, and I started in sales, uh, I got promoted to manager. This is what I did, so that's what everybody else should probably do. Um, so there's no mechanism for it. In today's world, with uh, you know, a lot of companies cutting costs and trying to, to save money, the thought of setting up a, you know, a valuable program like that with additional costs and who's gonna do it with people wearing many, many hats, it's just, just easier to sort of go, well, th- this'll work itself out. I mean, uh, a lot of the best salespeople I've worked with uh, in my career would make the worst managers. They're just, they, they just, they're really, really good at sales. They should stay selling. They're not good managers. And the, and the other part of, uh, you know, uh, working with your peers and managing your peers, that's a whole different set of uh, circumstances. And in most cases, at least in the beginning, really, really difficult, I think, to navigate. I think large companies recognize that
4: there, there needs to be a separate training. There's, you can't assume that the person who does a, a good job in their field is then going to be a good manager in that same field. Larger companies, whether it's through the HR department or a separate training department, understand that there has to be more than a promotion involved, a, a, a new job description. There actually has to be a designated time and effort put into preparing that
1: person for the job. I mean, one thing that I think happens to a lot of businesses, completely unintentional, is they have a product, they have something that they're selling to others, and it takes off. So, all of a sudden, the one or two man shop becomes a five person shop all of a sudden. And these people that are running the show at that point just kind of look at each other and say, well, how did this happen? And it's all a good problem to have but they just grow so fast that they need to bring people in just to keep this engine going at a faster speed. But at the same time, they just never really took in the thought the idea that they have to manage these people. They just figure, all right, well, I need somebody to do this, somebody to do this, somebody to do this, but they never think that these people aren't going to be able to operate independently on their own. Do you you find a lot of that, Rhonda, in in your, your travels?
2: I do, and again, smaller companies seem to have bigger challenges. Your bigger companies have more resources, have more structured programs, have more people to manage that training and manage that process. But yes, smaller companies, like you're saying, many times you, you gradually grow into it. And at what point do you cross that threshold where you recognize, Oh, I need a manager or, uh, now this person needs to have some management skills because their job has changed. So a lot of times it just evolves without any plan. And that, I think, is part of the problem that people face is they they suddenly find themselves in a management role. They might not even know exactly how they got there, but they certainly didn't have any training in it.
0: You know, it it reminds me of a book uh, called The E-Myth that Michael Gerber wrote a number of years ago, and just talked about the, uh, we'll call it the attributes of an entrepreneur. And he looked at it, there's, there's really three attributes. You have one that's a doer. Somebody, John mentioned it a little bit, a little bit ago, JT. You know, you get somebody who's really good at what they do. And so people assume they'd be a great manager. And Gerber's thing was, these, these are three separate competencies. A doer doesn't necessarily make a good manager. And a manager doesn't necessarily make a good leader because they all have... A different view of what they do the doers view is right now it's a here and now here's the thing I have to accomplish and I get it done a manager's view is backward they look at what's happened what went right what went wrong and making adjustments to process and talent and whatever and leaders need to look forward and don't assume because someone's good at looking at the here and now and getting a great job done that they can really look backward see what worked, what didn't work, set up some standards or parameters or whatever. I mean, it's really a lot more complicated, don't you think, Rhonda, than people think in a small company?
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's what a lot of people face as well is not really understanding what's going to be involved in a management role. They just think that that's the next step. So I have to move into management if I want to be promoted. But so many of them don't understand everything that's involved in that role ahead of time and can be really surprised and overwhelmed when they get into a role if they're not prepared for it. And someone mentioned just recently too about the problem managing friends. So what are you seeing when you see new people, or excuse me, people move into a new role where they've gone from being a peer to now they have to manage those people that
1: they've worked side by side with? I've seen this happen in uh, several places where somebody suddenly gets a tap on the shoulder and they're higher up all of a sudden. But two weeks ago, this was the same group of 10, 12 people that would go out to happy hours and you know, fantasy football and half a dozen other activities as you know, the, the team becomes a good team. They're faced with the, the quandary of, okay, do I not go out to the happy hours anymore because suddenly I'm on a different playing field? And they have a lot of uh, dissonance about that.
2: Yeah, it's tough. And that happens a lot. I was in that situation myself years ago. And we've worked with a number of people who've moved into a role like that. And one thing I think they need, first of all, is they need a mentor. They need someone that they can go to and say, hey, I've had this happen. I'm not really sure how to deal with this. And they also need to understand that this is a professional situation where if your friends are your true friends, they're going to support you in your new role. If your friends are going to expect favors at work, then they're really not your friends. But it's really hard to separate friendships from work relationships, and I think one of the things that we try to teach people moving into this role is, first of all, be really honest and upfront with your friends and let them know, this is a job, I have a job to do, I hope it doesn't affect our friendship, but I hope you'll also understand what I have to do at work, and I hope you'll support me. So being honest and upfront, kind of outlining what the expectations will be, and just Strong communication throughout is, is going to be a big help. But it's a tough transition
0: to make. One of the uh, conversations that I had in a training program a number of years ago was relative to commitment. And uh, there's five elements to commitment and everybody in the, in the training session was kind of like, what is this all about? And I said, well, they're, they're fairly fundamental. I mean, there's tools, you need time, you need to be able to take a risk. Uh, you got to deal with fear, and there's going to be change. And everybody said, what? I said, tools, time, risk, failure, change. Really? I said, well, just look at change. If you make a commitment to something, you're successful at doing it, guess what? You're going to make some people uncomfortable because they liked you just the way you were. If they wanted to start with somebody else, they would have. They don't want you to make them feel like they're not doing as well as you and that's part of this whole dynamic I think. Hey, well why why are you the one that gets promoted? And what about me? And it's like, well that's part of the hand you're dealt if if your goal is to grow and develop your career. You know if If
4: we want to measure the importance of what your role has to be in a new situation, if companies don't understand how important this is and and how high a rate of failure there is, let's look at the sports world. How many times do we hear situations or have, maybe we don't hear about them too much anymore and it's for this reason, where there was a player coach or a player manager. How many of those relationships have been successful? Not many. (laughs) So if that's not an indicator to companies that training and preparing someone to go from a doer to a manager, if that's not a living example, that everybody should just take a look at you know, the, the sporting world's history
0: when it comes to player coaches and player managers. Well, we're suffering through suffering <laughs> in Philadelphia with Gabe Kapler, the manager of the Phillies. And for some reason, people thought the players liked him. That doesn't make him a good manager. Just because people like him.
4: Yeah, that's a very good point. Maybe he managed too much like a player and not enough like like a manager. manager.
1: I've seen that in the past myself where somebody gets the nod and they're higher up on the food chain and they think their job is how to be the coolest boss as (laughs) opposed to be the most effective boss and it ends very badly.
3: I remember uh, when I had my first management job I was thinking, well, uh, I want to be liked, I really, that would be important to me, but more than that I'd want to be respected. Uh, exactly. and, and I do think you, you can you can do both, but that, the first one I think is to be respected and I think as Rhonda had said earlier, if, if you take the time to say to the people that you work with, listen, I don't think I'm more important to anybody right now, I just have a new role and I have different responsibilities and try to explain to them what you're responsible for. Let them know that you still have their back and you need them to be successful. I think that's a better launching point for your new management role than, you know, just making decisions and everybody sitting around going, oh, Mr. Big Shot now. You know, he used to work with us <laughs> and now yeah. now he's a big shot, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, can happen, but does not necessarily have to be the case.
1: Rhonda, I was going to ask you, um, in, in terms of when somebody does get the management position, obviously, they're going to be responsible for a team of a couple people and helping them do a job, stay on task. But... Can you talk to us about some of the the unwritten things that they're supposed to know, but nobody told them they're supposed to know?
2: Yeah, so we talked a little bit already about many things that they may not be aware of that they're gonna have to do in the job because nobody's told them, now you have to go to these meetings and you have to do performance reviews and you're gonna have people in your office all the time. A lot of people have this misconception of, I'm gonna be a manager and I'm just gonna sit in the office and tell everybody else what to do. Now hopefully we've prepared them better than that but many times, for instance, they don't understand people problems in general, how they're going to have to get involved in so many things involving people. The administrative stuff is usually trained pretty well in terms of here's how you do a performance review and here's how you do this, but so many people are just not prepared for what they don't know or what may come up or how to handle those things that – They don't know what they're going to be faced with on a day-to-day basis. So again, a mentor is really important to have available to someone to be able to go to and say, hey, I really didn't know I was going to have to deal with this. How do I handle this? Or this person came to me today and they have this personal problem and how how does this involve me? So there's so many things when you have multiple people that you're managing that it's hard to prepare them and they need someone to be able to go to.
1: I mean, how many times... Have you seen people that have gotten promoted don't know enough, and they're in this space, and they wind up, either they get in trouble or they get the company in trouble because they're giving bad mm-hmm. advice, doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, and those those employees under them are taking it the wrong way and making a an HR issue themselves out of it or, God forbid, even a legal case out of it. And meanwhile, this poor manager that just simply doesn't know enough is is making this happen
2: yeah and today with the litigious society we have and the me too in the in the uh, media so much people pick up on that and they look for anything to be wrong so managers don't understand how much they're under the microscope and one thing we want to try to do is to give them some basic legal training which usually doesn't happen And so yeah, you don't do that until somebody gets in trouble by doing something wrong. But they need some basic legal training because they're under the microscope with everything they say now.
0: And that relates to discipline as well because there's some things you can do and some you can't do. And they may not know the difference. And in some cases, I'm coaching ex-military folks that are now in a management role. You talk about a challenge. You're not in you're not in this third platoon anymore and it's a big shift for those folks to understand that managing in quote the real world is not like leading in the military when you're deployed. When you get into that management role as that new manager
4: all of a sudden you go from being the personality that someone else managed to now having to manage multiple personalities Interdepartment department issues. If you came from sales, well now you're dealing with accounting or production or logistics. So the the communication and what you have to deal with, not only with your own personalities within your own department, other departments, multi-generational workforces, you didn't have to deal with that when you were a doer. Now you got to deal with that as a manager. You better be yeah,
2: told many managers if you manage more than one person you're going to have problems and you're going to have different personalities and it's not a one-size-fits-all and when you talk about consistency that's very different than the one-size-fits-all because you want to be consistent in your management practices and how you lead people and treat people but you also have to understand that different things motivate different people people have different communication styles they understand and perceive things differently so there's a lot of psychology involved in management that people just generally don't get any training in either.
0: You know, it's funny, too. Almost, I don't want to say all the time, but so many times new managers don't understand the first person that they have to manage is themselves. I mean, if you yes. can't manage your responsibility and your... How are you going to manage anybody else? They see it. It's it's like... a. Well, it's a fraud. He's telling all of us what we should do, and she doesn't know what, or he doesn't know what they're doing. It's, like, really hard.
2: Yeah. So something else I see, too, is many times companies want to hire from the outside because they want to hire somebody with management experience. So what kind of challenges are you seeing, or do you think that's a better idea to hire somebody outside that has management
1: experience? What a great question. Well, sometimes I think hiring from the outside brings a fresh New perspective. They, they don't know about the inner workings of the company, the the egos at play, sometimes even the business aspects of play, and they come in with this new perspective and sometimes they work well with others and sometimes they're more of a wrecking ball, but they can be a good force for change inside of that organization.
0: Well sometimes people assume too because you were uh, effective in, in a similar role in another organization you're going to be effective here and they forget that the organizations and the culture might be entirely different that could really affect the, uh, the effectiveness of this new manager from the outside.
3: Yeah. I think both I think right. I mean, leadership experience is uh, in, important, but you do have to remember they don't have the culture. And depending upon the culture, uh, that, that could make it really
0: difficult for a new employee. Yeah. part of the culture stuff is all the legacy issues. It's yeah. not in the employee manual, um, boy, uh, it's a struggle. If you can't, if you're not a good listener there's a pretty good chance you're probably going to have some turbulence getting started as a new manager in a new company. Companies have to be clear
4: in what their objective is if they bring someone in from the outside. Are they bringing that person in to integrate into the existing culture? Maybe they're bringing them in to change
0: the culture. Well, you know what's funny, Rick? We've both been on teams where you, you bring in someone from the outside that you think is going to be a pace horse, a real top performer. And all of a sudden, you realize what really happened was the team pulled that top performer (laughs) down and they're right in the middle of mediocrity. It's like, what the heck happened?
1: Rhonda, what do you do in a situation if somebody is hired as a manager, say one of our listeners is a brand new manager, and he or she is facing the problem that the surrounding staff, more particularly the staff? underneath of this new manager, they're getting some pushback or some uh, some vibes at least that they don't think you're as qualified as you should be to manage that role.
2: Yeah, and that happens a lot. You know, many times you have someone hired because they have management experience, but I've often told hiring managers just because they have experience doesn't mean they're good at it. So when you're bringing someone from the outside, they may have experience, but you still don't know how good they are and you may also have their direct reports having to train them because they don't know the company's products, they don't know the company's processes or culture and it goes back to gaining someone's respect. I mean one of the first things a true new manager has to do is gain their employees' respect and that comes just from being open, being honest, communicating clearly expectations and sharing information. So communication is such a critical piece of training and skills that you need to look for in a new manager and if they're going to if they're going to take the arrogant approach that i'm managing this department and you need to listen to me and you need to do what i say that's never going to work they need to partner with people and people are looking more for collaboration with their leaders today not just a manager to tell them what to do so new managers particularly need to gain that respect be open and honest and be open to ideas from other people in order to be successful in their role.
3: Yeah, I also think it's helpful that uh, if you're gonna go outside, there are clearly gonna be somebody inside the company who thinks they could do that role and should have it. Mm-hmm. And uh, while it might be a difficult conversation, I, I've always found it helpful to sit down with those those people uh, individually and, and explain to them that you know they are a candidate for future roles and why you felt they may not have been ready for this particular one and things that they need to do to advance. So, A, they don't just think they were ignored. And while they may not like the explanation, they're getting some explanation. A, a you're recognizing that they have talent and they have ability. Um, but in your opinion, uh, they're just not quite ready yet and, and explain to them what they have to do. Sometimes it can make that transition a little bit easier.
2: It can. And I think utilizing those people and letting them know how important they are to mm-hmm. the organization and to your success as a new leader, can help develop that relationship as well. as If you utilize them to help you learn and ask them for ideas on how to do things differently or better, hopefully it'll mend that relationship if it's off to a rocky start.
0: How many managers have we run into that they, they have a hard time accepting the fact that, I call it their number one responsibility, but a significant responsibility is to find a replacement. And they look at you like, what? It's like, (laughs) that's job one for you is to find your replacement. What do you mean? It's like you've got to train people underneath you to be able to learn and grow. Don't wait until, what are you going to do? Wait till something opens up and then have a crash course on being a human being? No, it's part of your job as a manager is to develop and grow your bench so that you do have more opportunity to promote from within. Yeah, and sadly, I, I think that scares a lot of people. I mean, I've spoken
3: to people who go, wait a minute, if, I, if, if everybody's good enough to replace me, well, they're going to get my job. Well, if Ugh. they get your job, you're going to probably get promoted. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to just fire you and bring somebody else in. But uh, <laughs>
0: Hey, Roger, how many times have you seen, you know, hey, well, you know what, let's think about why don't we move Rick into this higher position? And it's like, well, what the hell's going to happen? His department will go to heck. What, 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 mm-hmm. We can't promote him because there's nobody else there to take over. Yeah,
2: that's absolutely a problem. People don't have that bench strength to backfill positions when people have the ability to move up. So unfortunately, some people do get held back because there's just not a plan to backfill their position. Or maybe the best person for the job, like you're saying, is not available or it creates a hole, and so we're not picking the best person, we're picking the next best
1: person yeah, because right. organizationally, it works out better. I remember hearing a phrase one time, if you are unreplaceable, you're unpromotable.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: spot on. Yeah. For, the, for the folks that are
0: listening out there, whether you're uh, in your car or whatever you're doing, what steps can you take now to address this yourself and for your managers below you, I mean, what are the action items? Um, they wor- these folks work for you, and it's your responsibility to develop and grow them. And so the real question becomes, what are you doing today to make sure your people are prepared? And Rhonda, for you, how does bench builders uh, help address this issue right now?
2: Well, I'll just say that I spent 25 years in the HR profession, and so I've been on the floor. I've been in the departments, I've worked with hiring managers and have seen this gap in every position that I've been in. So with Bench Builders, the company I'm working with now, what we do is we provide management training, and we have a whole series called Build Your Bench, which is a management training series to help improve management skills, and it's proven to impact companies' bottom line if they have a strong management team. And something that we recently have just developed is a series called New to the Bench, which is for new managers and supervisors as they're transitioning into a role to teach them some of those unwritten things like HR laws, like how to write business communications, how to manage your friends. So it's a new series that we're just rolling out, and it's proven to be really effective. And there's a lot of focus on communication, which is one of the most important skills that managers really need to develop.
0: So when people want to reach out to you directly, how do they do that? Uh, Well, our website
2: is bench-builders.com, and I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, My email is Rhonda at bench.builders.com and you can find my contact information on our website as well
1: and also for the listeners at home we will have rhonda's contact information on the show notes as well
0: and i want to really thank rhonda for coming on board this morning and helping us with uh, her knowledge and skill when it comes to developing and growing and onboarding new managers Um, i'd also like to throw a special thanks out there to a fella named Brian Wendig, who was a new sales manager and planted the seeds for this program by saying, am I supposed to know how to do all this? Um, That being said, guys, anything else? Or are we ready to wrap up the episode and tell folks out there, if you have feedback, if you have questions, contributions, whatever, go to the website, let us know. And if we use it on on the air in a a future podcast, we'll send you a t-shirt. Thanks. Everybody good.
4: Thanks, Ronda. Thanks, Rhonda. Wish I met you 25 Thank you. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Take care.
1: To learn
0: more about the Summit Club Podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club Podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club Podcast, and we'll see you at the top.